welcome to London Runway Style. This is your guided exploration of collections and catwalks from London shows. Each episode, we take a look at a collection or article you can find in our pages, so if you want to listen with a visual aid, head to londonrunway.co.uk. Today, we're sharing a clip from the London Runway Virtual Festival 2021. From the 9th to the 15th of August, we hosted a range of live chats, performances and demonstrations, including this one. Check out the video version on our IGTV at London Runway Mag. Hello everyone. We are here for the final day. I'm just typing a little message in the chat box uh, for people that are joining late. Uh, to pin that, um, we are here for day seven of the London Runway Virtual Festival. We've had so much already happen. Oh my goodness, we've had um, amazing musical performances, really amazing musical performances. We've had some extremely interesting panel talks and interviews. We've had um, wow. <laughs> a live photo shoot, a live edits of the photo shoot, so much stuff. And that is all on IGTV. So even if today is the first time that you're hearing about this, don't worry because you can watch all of it back on IGTV. Um, today, for our second to last session, so the only thing left to come is our closing ceremony, which is going to be a lovely recap of everything, all of our highlights that we've seen and also announcing our giveaway winner. The last thing before that is this session. This is our Ask Me Anything session. Uh, so I am Rhiannon Deverk. If you haven't seen me on these lives before, I am the chief editor of London Runway and the founder. Uh, my background is in writing and photography as well. So I'm giving you guys this opportunity to ask me anything you like, uh, anything to do with running a magazine, anything to do with writing or photography for a magazine, publishing, marketing, advertising, anything you like. So I have some questions already that have come in because we did ask you guys uh, to go ahead and put them in our story as well. So um, I have a nice little list of questions that I'm gonna work through. Please, as we're going, do put your questions into the box below. There is a lovely little icon looks like a speech bubble with a question mark in. Just tap on that and I can actually bring up your question on the screen for everyone else to see as well. Um, let's get started because I have quite a few to get through already, which is brilliant. Um, the first one I'm gonna answer actually came from one of our writers, Suhani, uh, who, who very uh, wonderfully put this question overnight. Um, and this question is, do you like looking into the future or the past of fashion? Um, I think it's quite an interesting question actually because um, really I think they are linked very closely and I think that the more I understand the past of fashion the more interesting I find the future of fashion right and the more the more I can understand it it's all about context really um, you know for example I grew up in the 90s um, and of course at that age I didn't have any references I didn't I didn't know about the history of fashion at all um, but we had styles, we had things like corset tops, you know, that were a big trend in the 90s. And corset tops, of course, call back centuries 
to to different styles in the past and they're making a kind of tongue-in-cheek reference to a time gone by right so when you understand these references then it becomes really interesting and then now you know let's not even say how many decades later um <laughs> you can see these corset tops coming back into fashion again and it's a reference on a reference on a reference and it's really interesting to see how they all work together so um yeah i think I, the answer to that question is i like both equally um it, it, it's very fascinating we, we run quite often um either fashion house histories in the magazine or just general style histories you know looking at a decade or even a century uh, and what the style was like at that time and i find those really fascinating because you find out things about designers you know carl uh, lagerfeld is one of my favorite designers and it wasn't until we ran a retrospective about him just recently that i found out some really interesting stuff that i didn't know before um and at the same time fashion is exciting because it's still going right it's there's more to come there's more exciting things around the corner there's trends coming up new ways of doing things new takes on old references so i love them both <laughs> so please do keep those questions coming if you want to pop them in below i have another one here uh well i actually have quite a few here which one should i go for um what does your job involve day to day and that's from heather so um not a very easy question to answer actually because it can change so much day to day um i did once create a a document um a process document for uh my team just in case that i'm not around you know maybe i get sick they will know how to do my job and take over and make sure that everything gets done and this process document was just on the process of um you know making sure that the magazine gets put together so not including like daily tasks like checking emails doing social media all of these things that come up or not even including um you know because i have to when we have pictures come in from writers we have submissions from photographers and so on obviously i have to like approve or, de or deny those i have to decide what's going to go into which part of the magazine i have to um you know give instructions when they come in, I have to then edit them, decide if we are going to actually use them or if it needs more work, etc. So even all of that has already been done. <laughs> even just starting from the day of like, we're handing everything over to graphics to get started. It was well over 100 points long. <laughs> um, so there's a lot that goes on. My busiest time of the month is between the 20th and the 27th. Um, so we publish on the 27th every single month and on the 20th is our complete content deadline so anything after that point is not going to make it in um and that's the point when i start kind of editing everything or even you know I'll, I'll probably have started editing it already but really a lot of submissions will come in last minute or just on the deadline so making sure that everything is up to scratch making sure that we have everything that we need that we aren't missing anything uh getting it all to graphics making sure they know what to do with everything then they lay it out. In the meantime, I'm usually doing lots of admin stuff behind the scenes as well. Um, then I'm doing final checks, making sure that, that we haven't made any mistakes in the text, making sure that we don't have anything like duplicate photos. And you can imagine we're dealing with runway shows and catwalk shows. There's so many images from the same designer. It can be hard sometimes to make sure that we don't have the same look twice um, or even just a similar look that maybe we need to move these things around. Maybe the editorial looks a bit samey if you put the two shots next to each other. So we need to just move those around a little bit. Um, 
So doing all those checks, just making sure that everything looks right, is right. Then we uh, finalize the, the page numbers and the contents page. We give the contributors list, which is, if you've ever read the, the magazine, you'll see it inside the front cover, just a list of everyone that's taken part in the issue in putting it together. We get all of that done. Then we finally are ready to start preparing it to actually go online. Um, there's so many more stages involved in that, but basically creating the actual digital issue, getting that published, telling everyone that it's been published. Um, at the moment, I'm very uh, pleased and lucky to have a couple of assistants. So just making sure that they get all of the information they need to do. They're parts of the job as well, like running social media, for example. Um, and then, yeah, and then it, the digital's out and it doesn't stop there from the 27th because then from the 27th onwards, we then need to think about the print issue which of course we do a, a pre-order system. Um, so then there's collecting all of the orders and making sure that we've placed an order for the right amount from the printer. Then there's actually getting those copies out to everybody um, and all the while taking in submissions, taking in pitches, um, communicating with the team, doing team meetings. So uh, yeah, in response to that, uh, my day-to-day -day job involves a lot. <laughs> And this isn't my only job either, so I actually run uh, my own business, uh, well, another of my own businesses, as well as this, so it can be quite hectic. Yeah. <laughs> Please do drop some questions down in the box if you have any. We're working through some others that we've got from before. Um, let's see. I'm just going at these in a random order because I just, I like, I like playing risky because I'm going to probably forget one. <laughs> How do you stay organized? That's from Pete. Well, Pete, um, hmm, do I stay organized? Might be a better question. <laughs> um, I'm a kind of, I'm a kind of physical person. I like writing things down by hand. Um, I, I do have sort of online trackers and things like that, but I find that they don't work as well for my specific brain. Um, so I have stationery and I have uh, lists and to-do lists and I have schedules and I have um, you know, a specific notebook for London runway stuff and everything that I need to know for the magazine is going to be in that book. I have um, a daily planner, which is separate, which will have my schedule for the day. Um, and it even, you know, down to things like even if I have appointments, personal stuff that will be in the book. Um, and I have lots of little pieces of paper floating around, which they shouldn't be because I'm supposed to write it in one of those two books. <laughs> but yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, those things plus um, a note-taking app on my phone, which is for when it's sort of 3 a.m. and you wake up suddenly and go, ah, I need to do that thing. That's what that's for. <laughs> plus um, Alexa, she often... Oh, I've woken her up. Nothing. Alexa, stop. Usually she's more helpful than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, she... I'm just like, hey... Remind me in half an hour to do this. That's, <laughs> that's what usually happens. Um, uh, thank you for that question, Pete. Um, let's see. Oh, this is quite similar, actually. So Anne-Marie says, how do you stay focused working from home? So yeah, having a schedule, um, I would say, is the number one thing. Because I think... So I've been working from home for many years. Uh, working from home is my natural state. The pandemic all it changed is that I don't go out to meetings anymore. Um, so I think for many people who were previously working in an office, the switch to working from home has obviously been quite a change.
because you lose that structure of like you turn up at a set time and sit down at your desk and then you leave at a set time, right? Um, but having a schedule and a structure is really important, I think, for making sure that your day flows correctly, flows the way that it should, um, that you're on track, that you're doing everything that you need to do and that you don't... I mean, I do still go off track every week. Um, so I have my publishing assistant, Amber, works with me in person one day a week. Um, and every single week uh, we get to the end of the day and I go, oh, I'm now seven hours behind on my schedule because I forgot to actually look at it and I've just been doing extra stuff. And, you know, sometimes that can happen and it's, you know, it's kind of fine. You just have to get yourself back on track somehow or even I probably should just stop scheduling stuff for that day, right? And just play it by ear, but... <laughs> Um, having that schedule to refer to allows me to know where I should be at this point and if I'm not there it allows me to go ah need to do a little bit of extra work tomorrow to catch up and I think it's quite useful for mindset as well you know your your mindset as you go into the work day is really important especially if you're at home and, and there's no one to push you or motivate you and I think going into it and going right today I'm doing this 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 and this and then just sitting down and doing it um, you know, personally, I find that if I have that um, quite often, I can actually get ahead on my schedule because I'm motivated. Um, and I can see, you know, if I look at my schedule and it says, all right, you're going to be working until seven o'clock tonight. Well, then, all right, let's work really fast now and get a bit extra done so that I can finish at five instead. That would be fun. Um, yeah. So how I stay focused is basically having a schedule and just working to it and sticking to it and using that timeline to kind of go right it's three o'clock I should be here and I'm not here so let's get on uh, it's not easy I, I do lose focus um, quite often uh, all right uh, we have another question here from Katie who says what is the biggest challenge in running a magazine hmm there are lots of challenges <laughs> there are lots of challenges in running a magazine especially in this day and age um, especially being a print magazine um, I'm sure you guys, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have seen yourselves that print magazines close all the time these days. Digital is kind of more the way that magazines are going, but we, we've stayed in print and we've done so pretty successfully, I think. Um, so I think the number one challenge is cost, right? Because printing is so expensive. That's why, that's why it's hard to do. That's why it's hard to maintain because you have to put out a lot of money to get those copies made before you've sold them in the traditional model, which is why we do what we do with the pre-order, which also cuts down on waste because we don't have, you know, hundreds of magazines sitting in a warehouse somewhere that are now out of date and haven't been sold. Um, and that was that was an issue that we had at the beginning when we first switched to printing. We um, we did encounter that, and I, I it was it's it's upsetting to just look at a pile of what used to be trees and is now useless things that nobody wants. Um, although I will say, uh, we have recently managed to repurpose a lot of our old stock from a couple of years ago, um, and that has actually gone out to a university uh, for the fashion students there to use to use it as reference material to use it as actual crafting material you know get in there maybe use it as um either part of their sketchbooks or you know actually even to make paper dresses and things like that so yeah pretty pretty happy that those have found a new use um and also this week actually we starting on wednesday put a lot of our back issues on sale so the ones we do still have in stock 
Um, usually we only have one or two, maybe three of each edition left because as I say we, we do this pre-order system we're very careful about that so if you do want to get one of our back issues I would go very quickly now <laughs> because they are reduced I think this, the cheapest one is like $2.99, uh, $3.99, $6.99 uh, the usual uh, cover price is $9.99 so just to give you an idea some of those are very very heavily dis discounted um, you can pick up you can pick up a two or three magazines for the price of one amazing um, yeah, so cost is probably the biggest challenge. You know, we also need um, to make sure that we're paying our guys and that we're, um, you know, making sure that everybody has what they need, paying expenses, um, things like hiring models if we're doing in-house photo shoots, hiring locations. Um, obviously, we haven't been doing a lot of in-person events um, over the last year and a half, two years. Um, but previously we have done events, so you know, hiring hiring venue space, planning all of that. Um, fees for, you know, gosh, every single piece of software out there. And I think as, as an editor, you're kind of, you know, as chief editor, you're in control of everything, right? So it's on me if, if we don't have enough money. That is my fault. Um, and... Yeah, so that that is a big challenge and it's something that I have to keep in mind at all times. Um, but, you know, I enjoy this job. So that's a, that's the challenge of it, but there are many, many, many positives and upsides and, and benefits. So um, let's see, who next? Um, Meg says, how did you become an editor? So there is actually a kind of a vague version of this in our highlights on our Instagram page, which you are now watching this on. Um, so you can check that out, but also I will give you a more in-depth option, uh, in-depth answer, I suppose. Um, so basically I have a background in writing and photography. Um, it wasn't always fashion at first. I, I, um, I've written for a lot of clients, very diverse amount of clients, uh, different topics. I was a copywriter for, I would say maybe sort of eight years or something like that, just doing copywriting. I still do a tiny bit of it now, actually. So mm, I probably, yeah, going on 10 years now, but um, I don't really class myself as a copywriter anymore because that is not my main thing that I do and I'm not taking on any new, new clients, really. Maybe if there was a special exception, but um, I just have a couple of old clients that I've stuck with. Um, so I was writing on, yeah, a lot of different topics, photography as well, just in general, not necessarily just related to fashion. But I was writing for fashion magazines and I was taking pictures for fashion magazines. I was doing, um, you know, fashion shows and I was also doing editorials. Um, I found that, I, you know, I, it's quite good. This is as a tip if you, if you want to get into the industry yourself is that because I was a photographer and a writer, I had quite a lot of value because I was able to say, go to a catwalk show, take the pictures and then write a review afterwards. So that's... Um, some good skills to develop in tandem with each other if you want to be more useful to editors. Um, and I was working for other magazines. Um, I was a staff writer at Scorpio Gin magazine for a short time, uh, right when they first launched. Um, I was contributing to magazines like Dreamingless and Jute, um, Fashion Shift, uh, lots of lots of other kind of indie magazines that are in the same kind of sector that we are now um although i will say that we we do the catwalk stuff which not everybody else does 
Um, so yeah, I had been working with all these different magazines and more beside that, you know, more beside that. Um, and fashion websites, you know, fashion beans, for example. Um, gosh, there was, there was so many, um, there's probably this, there's a full list somewhere on my LinkedIn, but I don't even, <laughs> it's been so many years now. Um, and it was about 2017, um, well, probably around 2016 that I started to really think about it and think, um, um, I don't really like the way this person has used my photos or um, I feel like that person has cut down my text unnecessarily. I actually around that time had some bad experiences. I was writing for a entertainment website um, and they edited my my piece in a way that I really objected to. And I actually got some hate over the internet, um, people, you know, harassing me for the piece. And I was like, well, that's not really fair because that's not what I wrote. They just edited it afterwards. And all of this kind of contributed to making me feel a bit frustrated and feeling like I could do this better. And there was also other stuff, you know, things like the state of the industry, um, seeing the way that things were portrayed in magazines, um, feeling like it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, the way that things were portrayed sometimes, that there wasn't enough diversity, that there wasn't enough focus on sustainability, you know, the things that I actually really cared about and still do. And so I thought, well, I guess I could, I've got these skills, right? I've, I'm a photographer, I'm a writer. I know how to edit. I've led copywriting teams. I'm an editor. Maybe I could make a magazine. <laughs> so um, yeah, of course there is a more traditional route to it, which would be to actually find a job with another magazine as an editor first, right? But I just launched myself in, started the magazine um, and just went for it. It was terrifying. Uh, I just, well, I what I did was I told myself, hey, no one's gonna watch this. Uh, no one's gonna read this magazine anyway. Just a digital issue that I put up. No one's gonna pay any attention to it. So I'll just put it up there and it won't be that terrifying. It'll be fine. Um, people did read it <laughs> and they liked it. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll do another one then. Um, and the rest was history. Um, so, but also it wasn't, it wasn't like an overnight, wow, okay, I suddenly managed to do this. It, took me, I would say, at least six months from the moment I had the thought to geeing myself up enough to actually go ahead and do it. And also then it took me some more time to actually learn all the things I needed to do and figure out how to put it together. So I had to learn graphic design. I had to teach myself that. Uh, obviously we have a really talented team now, so I don't do too much of it anymore. Um, but you know, I had to teach myself from scratch. I had to go and find online guides and you know, um, I actually started a profile on Fiverr and I was doing graphic design services on Fiverr. A little bit of extra pocket money and also just to practice. Um, so then I learned the basics of that. Um, writing and photography, I already knew how to do. Uh, photography, I actually have a degree in photography. Um, that is what my degree is. So I had been trained in that and I had then continued to train myself um, again through, through online courses, through actually just going out and taking pictures and, and learning the process a bit more. And writing has been something that I've always done. Um, just again, practice, practice and practice and practice. And all these years of practice, um, you know, almost a decade really in the industry before I had all of these skills to put them together into one package and actually be able to be an editor. And I think it's very important that I understand how to do the jobs that I'm asking other people to do. Maybe not, maybe not to an expert level, because that's when we need them. 
Uh, if I was an expert, I would just do everything myself, right? Well, maybe if I had 5,000 hours every day, but the important thing is to know, for example, to know the rules of writing, to know the rules of grammar, to know how a good article is constructed, how readers' minds work, the psychology of that, and how to draw people in so that I can edit an article properly and give good feedback and make sure that it's the best it can be. I need to know how photography works, um, what makes a good picture, what makes a bad picture, technically speaking, um, so that I can look at a picture and know, oh, this is an artistic blur and this is actually a really cool editorial that someone's done, or this person doesn't know how to use a camera <laughs> and reject it, right? It's important to know about graphic design and layout and typography and things like that, so that when my guys put something together, um, not necessarily to always correct them, but, you know, if something feels a bit jarring about the layout, I might not know why if I didn't have that training. But having trained myself and learned about that stuff, I can look at the layout and go, it's because this thing is not quite in the right place, or it's because this thing is off-centre, you know. And because I understand the rules of composition, which also comes from photography as well, there's, there's a lot of crossover in that sense. Um, so knowing all these different skills is really important. And I think having a well-rounded background, learning how to run a team is important. And doing these things at somebody else's expense is probably the best way to go about it. Because if you learn while you're working for, for a company and you're getting a wage, then you're not risking your own money. Uh, which again, as we just discussed on the previous question, running a magazine is expensive. Um, and you don't want to use too much money on that. So yeah, that's how I became an editor. And I think it's um, maybe not a traditional path, but you know, uh, it's an example of what you can do if you really, you're motivated and you want to push yourself. Um, please do keep, uh, if you have questions, please do drop them in the question box and I will answer them. Um, I think I have another one here. Which ones have I done? Right. Okay, this one came in from Parishar15, uh, who said, should fashion even be a priority anymore? Um, I think I, I, I have a problem with the question, actually. <laughs> what does priority mean? Um, how much of a priority is fashion at the moment? I think that's an individual question, right? That's something for every individual person to decide. It's going to be different from person to person. Um, I think that um, priorities is a very strong word, right? Just because you enjoy something and you pay attention to something doesn't mean it's a priority. It doesn't mean that you're choosing to, you know, engage with fashion rather than eating <laughs> or feeding your family, right? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Um, maybe this person is trying to say, is it important? And I think it is important um, because fashion is communication, right? The way that you dress says a lot about you. It tells something to the to the person who's looking at you. Um, you can wear a powerful suit, and you can look very you know strong and intimidating. You can wear you know ripped jeans and a dirty t-shirt, and um, kind of look very casual. Look the opposite, and and also a kind of very comfortable in yourself. I think is the message if you if you're dressed like that. I think that people. It's a little bit like politics fashion because people say, oh, you know, I'm, I don't I don't pay attention to politics. I don't engage with politics. Well, that in itself is a political decision because politics affects everything. 
So if you're choosing not to engage with that, that's a political decision. I think fashion is the same thing. When someone says, oh, you know, I don't follow fashion, I choose not to dress fashionably, that's a fashionable decision. That is a, a decision that creates your own personal style. You may not think you have a personal style, but you do. Um, it just might not be in line with the trends. Like trend and style are two different things. Trend and fashion are two different things. So, um, yes, I think that fashion is important. I think yeah, the question was, should it be a priority anymore? Um, and I don't know if that refers to, you know, post-pandemic or if it refers to just the 21st century that we're living in. Um, but it has always been important. It will always be important. Uh, I don't think that there is any event in the world, unless, unless there's some kind of event where the entire human race, we all collectively decide we're never wearing clothes, accessories or any kind of adornment on us ever again. And we're all going to shave our hair off. And we're not going to wear any makeup. That's the only way I could imagine that fashion wouldn't be important. And even then, that's a decision, isn't it? That's that's a fashion statement. To to reject fashion completely is still a fashion statement. Um, so I think you know. <laughs> yes, it's important. <laughs> uh, you know, if you look back, if I go back to what I said about being fashion being communication, you look back in history. And see, this is where we, we come back to our first question previously about, you know, looking at the past of fashion versus the future of fashion. Um, if you look at the past of fashion, um, it's so ingrained in human culture. Um, back to really tribal times, um, to, to the earliest history, to the earliest remains that we find. Um, when we get to the point that we are actually human and not, you know, a, a predecessor. Um, you know, these these... Uh, skeletal remains that we find they're usually buried with um, traces that we can find and they might be traces of fibers or you know, there might be accessories like small brooches um, or belts or whatever it is that they had you know managed to create at that time in terms of in terms of evolution of, of tools etc adornment has always been a method of communicating who you are what your place is in society the richest people, the leaders of, of a tribe or a clan would be buried with the finest possessions and those possessions would include the finest clothes. You know, maybe they would have the best pelt, maybe they would have the most intricate brooches, right? So that hasn't really gone away. Um, it's just that we maybe don't think about that so much. It's when somebody walks down the street and they're wearing, you know, maybe an Armani suit as opposed to a Primark suit, right? They're, they're telling two different stories um, and showing, communicating that, that's, that societal structure and that hierarchy. Um, so it's, it's telling people who you are as an individual, but it's also telling people your places in society. And I think that that's something that will never ever go away. You know, it's, it's an intrinsic part of who we are as a, as a race, as a species, um, you know, what more can you say about that? That's that's it. That's the end. <laughs> that's the be all and the end all. Fashion will always be fashion. I think a lot of people dismiss fashion because they see it as trivial. Um, but that's that's when you're thinking about you know high street trends or everyone buying the latest it item, right? That's just a very small part of what fashion is. Fashion is so much broader than that. So again, please do ask me um, your questions if you have any. Um,
Oh, I didn't know you could actually do this. Oh, look. Oh, I should have done that earlier. You can put them up from the story. Uh, I just learned how to do a new thing with Instagram Live, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I've answered those ones there. So let's get rid of that. Um, what else can I tell you guys while we're waiting? Um, I might just do like a couple more factoids, as it were, and then if I don't get any more questions by then, I shall leave. Um, one thing that I'm quite often asked um, from various different people, different parts of the industry, is just how to get into a magazine. Um, very common question. So I will I'll sort of give you a little brief overview of that. So the first thing is um, that you shouldn't need to really ask me that question because you should do the research yourself. Uh, <laughs> doing the research is really important. Um, I think being self-motivated is going to get you a lot farther than anything else in this industry and in this world indeed. But if you do want to see your work in a magazine, um, here's the steps, right? So let's say whether you're a writer, whether you're a photographer, whatever it might be, um, if you're submitting work, let's start with that. So the first thing you need to do is go to that magazine's um, website, their online presence. Um, ours is londonrunway.co.uk. Plug, plug. Um, and you'll probably find submission guidelines there, right? And if you don't find submission guidelines, you might find a contact thing where you can actually reach out and say to someone, hello, I'm interested in, you know, putting some work in your magazine. How do I do that? So first thing, like if you can't find the information anywhere and if you really have looked, right? Because make sure that you've looked, otherwise people are going to get annoyed with you. If you really have looked, just reach out and just send someone an email, send someone a DM, because if you don't ask, you're not going to get. So that's the first thing. And if, you know, the answer might be, we're actually not taking submissions at the minute, which is fine and fair. Um, but if it is, you will get some, you know, some guidelines back. Read through the guidelines, whether you find them, you know, directly by reaching out or whether you've just found them on the website or anywhere like that. I think we even have some in our stories here on Instagram so that, you know, we make it really easy for people to find out how to get in. Read the guidelines really carefully because those guidelines are guidelines for a reason. And you might think one of the stages is really stupid. It might say something like, you know, submit it in Times New Roman, double spaced, 12 point font, right? And you think, well, that's stupid. I can submit it in any font I like. But guess what? <laughs> that instruction is there for a reason, right? And it might be something to do with process. For example, uh, a lot of uh, literary magazines ask for that because the writers like to write things in the margins uh, or around the words and like just make their own notes. Um, or it might be just to see if you can follow instructions, right? So many people cannot follow instructions and as an editor, having to deal with so many people and so much content on a monthly basis, I don't have time to hold your hand through the process. So if I get a submission and the criteria have not been fulfilled, the instructions have not been followed, I'm very likely to just return that to you and say, here is another link again to our submission guidelines. Please read again. So instead of having to, you know, go and, and, and edit every single and say, look, you need to do this, this, this. I'm not going to tell you step by step what you need to do because I don't have the time for that. You know, you're not the only person that I'm dealing with. And other editors, I mean, you know, London Runway is an independent magazine. We're a small magazine. Um, 
not to say there isn't a hell of a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, but there is. Um, but, you know, we're sort of 124, 128, maybe 132 pages every month. There are magazines out there that are 500 pages long every month, right? So imagine all of the stuff that those editors are dealing with and all of the emails that they get and all of the content that they have coming across their desk. You need to be on it, absolutely on it, right from the beginning. You cannot, you know, uh, skimp on any of these instructions. It's a red flag for us straight away if you haven't followed the instructions. But let's say you have followed the instructions, you submitted your piece, um, then, you know, <laughs> it might be in the might be in the lapse of the gods at this point because it depends on how many submissions that magazine's got. They might not be able to get back to you at all because they've got too many things going on. They might get back to you late. They might, um, you know, they just might um, say yes and that will be exciting. Or they might say yes, but we need you to edit these things. Um, so that's, you know, that's how you do it, right? You just try. You actually go, do the research yourself, reach out if you need to, and you just try and you submit, whether it's an article, whether it's a photographic submission, whatever it might be. You can also inquire, you know, you can say, listen, I've got this idea. I would like to do this editorial photo shoot by this theme, or I would like to go and cover this fashion show, or I'd like to write this article. Would you be interested in that? You know, if you're a little bit nervous about putting in all the work first, although I would say put in the work because if you are at this stage in your career where you're just trying to start getting into magazines for the first time, every experience is good experience. So I would say, you know, look for that experience wherever you can find it. Um, and, and, you know, no, no article written is wasted. You can always put it up on a blog somewhere or find another magazine and submit it to them instead. No uh, photo shoot is wasted because you can put that in your portfolio. Uh, you can put that on your Instagram and try and get some interest that way. You know, I would say put in the work. Um, so yeah, that's how I would say if you're submitting. If you're looking for actually working for a magazine, then the process is obviously different. You need to have the right training and you need to understand what that training needs to be. You need to look out for opportunities on job sites and you need to know which job sites magazines are putting their stuff up on. Fashion Jobs is one that we use. Um, that's where we usually post our, our, our opportunities if we have them. You need to look out for things like internships because again, as we talked about earlier, fashion industry, especially the print publication industry does not make a lot of money. <laughs> so maybe you need to be looking for internships first before someone's gonna take a punt on you and really actually hire you and bring you on full time. Um, yeah, and again, reach out. Don't expect someone to be your personal coach, your personal mentor, if you're just reaching out out of the blue and you've never met before and you're just asking them, but they might give you a tiny bit of advice. They might say, here's a link to our job profile that we have, you know, here's a link to some information or, you know, just basically these are the brief bits. They're probably not going to like walk you through it step by step, but you might get a little bit of information that way. Be respectful of people's time though. You know, sometimes I will get an email from someone that's out of the blue and um, maybe I don't follow it up for like two or three days because sometimes that's how far behind I am on my inbox. You know, <laughs> I just have a lot of stuff coming in, especially um, as we discussed before, that period from the 20th to the 27th when we're like trying to get the issue done, which takes a lot of time every single day. I might not have time to actually, you know, I might read the email and just think I'll reply to that later because it's not urgent. And then I might get a follow-up email and then another one and then another one and then another one. And every time 
you put in another email that's just filling up my inbox and making it harder for me to get back to the bottom to reply to your original email in the first place. So, <laughs> please be very careful about that. So that's, um, yeah, that's generally speaking, that's how to get into a magazine. Um, I hope that's helpful. Um, uh, last chance now to ask me a question because after this I will finish. So please, if you're interested in something, please pop it down in the question box or the comment box. Um, so there is one more thing that I will bring up myself, um, which is something, all right, I'm going to tell you like, what, what do people misunderstand the most or get wrong the most about being an editor? What's the most unknown thing? And I would say it's the sheer amount of hours that are going into this, right? A lot of people, and it ties into what I just said about the emails, people tend to assume that you have the time to get back to them. You have the time to um, respond to their queries or have, me you know, two hour long meetings for no reason. That really gets my goat. I don't, if we're going to have a meeting, it better be for a reason and it better be a good reason and we better both get something out of it at the end because I have so much to do already. I have so much to do. <laughs> so please don't waste my time. Um, and I think people really underestimate the amount of work that goes into it. And I think that kind of comes from stuff like, you know, Ugly Betty and The Devil Wears Prada and like, like any job that's ever portrayed in a TV show or a film, right? It's always like the nice sanitized, glamorous version of that job where you don't see all of the, you know, the toil that goes into it. Um, you know, I've had nights when I've stayed up, you know, like two o'clock in the morning trying to get the issue done because there's a deadline. Um, and then, you know, having to get up 6am the next day just to carry on and, you know, after that little bit of rest and, and keep going on it. Um, I've had days when I've spent the entire day from meeting to meeting and I've met, you know, 17 people. Um, we do fashion week and it's yes it's amazing and it's glamorous and I love every second of it but it's exhausting because you know again as an editor it, you're not just going there for the clout or to be seen you're not just going there you know to impress people but you're going there to do a job which is to watch a fashion show so that you can review it and decide whether you want to publish the images so you know I might have to do up to 20 shows a day during fashion week um, and these are all I would say probably at least half an hour at the minimum if you include the time getting in, getting sat down uh, and then leaving. Sometimes you have to queue up for a while because the show is running late. Absolutely hate it when shows run late because it throws off the whole schedule. You spend the entire day on your feet basically with about a 15 minute break of sitting down every now and then. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. <laughs> and you have to do this for five days in a row. Um, and, and you know that's just that's just fashion week there are there are other days when there's so much stuff going on uh you know which might be other things that might be trade shows trade shows also i love trade shows i love trade shows but again they take so much time and, and effort and you're constantly on the go it's not just all sort of sitting behind a desk judging someone being a bitch for you know 10 minutes and then calling it a day and going home there's a lot of work goes into it behind the scenes um <laughs> which I don't think people always appreciate. Um, I think I was, you know, um, 
if you want to have a little taste of it, try editing a little zine yourself. Try to try putting together a four-page zine with your own content, maybe, or even if you just repurpose content from somebody else. You know, see how much it takes to go and like actually get permission to use the content, to get the photos to go with the content, to get everything laid out, to get everything edited, and up to a standard, and then all of that, all of that, all of that, and then imagine doing it. You know, so many times more compared to how many pages there are, and doing it every month. Um, when we first started the magazine, actually, um, or the very at the very beginning, there was no schedule for the magazine because I didn't know how long it was going to last for. I didn't know how many people were going to read it, and we just thought, just just do, you know, one every time there's a big show or something, right? Um, well, a big show that I had a press pass for because this was the very early days, and then after kind of realizing that this magazine thing was really working um we went to one episode one issue every two weeks that was an incredibly intense time and i do not recommend that to anybody <laughs> then we want to we went to one every three weeks um and brought in more stuff as well at the same time so ah we're gonna it's really easy now we've got an extra week and we've got all these people helping out uh, no, still crazy. So now we do it every month, um, and it still feels like sometimes the deadline comes up a lot quicker than it's supposed to. <laughs> um, so yeah, never underestimate the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes. Because um, you think, okay, so I may not create the content myself every every issue, but each writer may only have to spend a few hours creating their article right and each photographer may only have to stand at a show for maybe a couple of hours and then spend a few more hours editing the the images well you know four hours on a set doing a photo shoot and then some editing you know etc etc i have to review every single piece of work that comes in so you know i have to then go through everything carefully and it can take me a long time to go through each piece of work and really deliberate and fine-tune it and make sure that it's perfect so that's that all right guys we've been here for 45 minutes which i think is is time enough um i don't see any new questions in the box no there doesn't appear to be any let me just check as well here yeah it doesn't seem to be any any questions in the comments so i will end things here Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you for joining us actually throughout the whole of the London Runway Virtual Festival. As I said at the beginning of this, there is only one thing left to go, which is our closing ceremony, uh, which I will also be hosting through the magic of the internet because I actually have pre-recorded this segment. <laughs> um, so yeah, please tune in for that. We're going to show a lot of the highlights that have gone on. And shortly... Um, I think in a couple of hours we're going to be doing the giveaway results in our story so you do still have a little bit of extra time to go and enter that so as soon as this finishes head to our feed go to our page and there's a giveaway uh, you'll see it because it literally says giveaway in big letters a giveaway post go and comment on that and you'll have the chance to win a feature in the magazine that is just about to close um please do check out igtv to see all of the previous events from this week including this one this is going to be saved for posterity in its full length form so if you've just joined in, in quite late you can go back and watch that um and it's been an amazing week and i can't wait to do it again next year no i can i'm going to get some sleep now <laughs> but seriously guys it's been really wonderful this week uh having your guys support seeing your love in the comments um all your taps on the heart on the lives 
and and seeing you guys tuning in afterwards on IGTV and leaving your comments and your likes as well. So please keep that up. Um, the next issue comes out on the 27th of August. Uh, there's going to be lots of really exciting content in that. Oh, and there are just five days left to vote for the Face of London Runway 2021. We are choosing a menswear winner and a womenswear winner for our modelling competition. So please do check those out on our feed or on Facebook and you can vote for your favourite. All right. That is me. That is me finishing my last actual uh, live for the virtual festival. So <laughs> see you guys soon. Probably not too soon. I'm going to go sleep. But you guys need to stay on because seven o'clock tonight, closing ceremony. It's going to be really good because I've already seen it. I know what it's like. It's going to be really good. Trust me. We'll see you there. Bye. This episode of London Runway Style was recorded during the London Runway Virtual Festival 2021. You can check out the video version on our IGTV at London Runway Mag. You can find full issues as well as interviews, articles, trend reports and more at londonrunway.co.uk and follow us at London Runway Mag on most social media channels. Until next time, enjoy. Music